If you were with us previously, you've heard some stories of faith and how God empowers us with his spirit. Today, I want to explore what scripture says about Yahweh and his spirit. I've titled this message, Getting to Know Holy Spirit. Notice anytime the Bible talks about him, he's just mentioned as the spirit of God. So he will always be pointing to Yahweh the Father. And it is only through Jesus, the Son, and what he did on the cross, that we are able to receive the Holy Spirit. But now that I've said that, I want to treat this as a time of separate discussion about the person of the Holy Spirit himself. And the first part here I've called the promise. It seems like there have been times in my life where I've found myself reading mostly out of the New Testament. But then I remember there are so many wonderful treasures in the Old Testament as well. We can totally miss these treasures if we don't take time to read the Bible for ourselves. Now, it is good and exciting to read other books about the Bible or to hear preaching and teaching about it. But those ways should not be the only way that our hearts are filled. You need to take the time to read it for yourself. I was reading in Isaiah the other day, and I realized something that I had missed. Do you know what it was that changed his life? It was when he encountered the king, and he was a good prophet of the Lord. He was actually living for the Lord in chapters 1 through 5, but in chapter 6, everything changed for him. We're not going to go through and read that at this time, but he said in verse 1, I saw the Lord. And what I realized in these verses is that he encountered God himself. See, it's one thing to know about God and to believe in him, but after he encountered the presence of the Lord, he prophesied clearly about the Messiah and the things that would take place nearly 700 years later. Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah as if he had already seen it happen. The amazing thing about him and the other prophets in the Old Testament is that they truly experienced a connection and relationship with God without the fullness of the Holy Spirit like we have. Do you realize that we have a connection with God that they longed for and never received? I'd like to read some verses here about that. And this is where the great men and women of God who lived a long time before Jesus, they're described here in uh, Hebrews 11:32 to 40. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. 
Now, I know that when we hear someone mention Hebrews 11, we automatically think of this as the faith chapter. And I, I do think that's a good name for it. However, I want to focus on one phrase that we just read there in verse 39. It says that they obtained a good testimony through faith, but then the verse says that they did not receive the promise. So what was the promise that they didn't receive? Now, I'm sure it could mean more than one thing, but I think this is the main thing. Now let's read some more verses and you'll see right away what the promise was that they did not receive. Let's read Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now let's look at Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So do you see here where the promise and the Holy Spirit are both mentioned in these verses? Peter even describes this to the skeptical people right after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples who had been waiting faithfully in the upper room. Let's look at this in Acts 2 verses 14 to 18. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Okay, let's skip down to Acts 2, verses 38 and 39, the same chapter. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of, of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, do you see here that God had promised to pour out his spirit upon all people long ago? The men and women of God longed to have the presence of God dwell in them. The time had not yet been fulfilled for that to be a reality for them. See, God sees everything from the beginning of time all the way through to the end of time. He's not troubled by the things that we may see around us because he has already prepared the answer and the promise to take care of those troubling issues or things. Now, verse 38 there that we read in Acts 2, it mentions being baptized in the name of Jesus, uh, and this is for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there are people that say that when you become born again, you automatically have all of the Holy Spirit. But I want to show you that it is a separate event. See, the promise of the Holy Spirit was the greatest mystery that anyone could imagine. They had only ever seen the physical representation of God in the tabernacle or in the temple. They had to make the effort of traveling to that city or going into a specific building to meet with God. But they had been told by prophets for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, that God would eventually come to them. 
and that he would live in them in the form of his spirit. He would someday be as close to them as their very thoughts. Can you feel the mystery they, they must have felt? See, what's normal to us in how we pray and interact with God, it was not possible before the Holy Spirit was given. Paul calls this the fullness of time in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Let's just read that really quickly here. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just an afterthought or some kind of cool thing to experience. Everything Jesus did was to purchase our righteousness as the perfect sacrifice for sins. He made us righteous for the entire purpose of creating perfect temples for his spirit to live in. See, the spirit of God could not live in unholy temples. So Jesus didn't just come eh, just to save us from our sins and maybe get us to heaven. He came to prepare us as righteous vessels that could host him. Let's look how Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, Paul is reminding the believers in Corinth here, that they no longer live separately from God as the people in the Old Testament did. And I just think that we need reminded as well about the mystery of God living in each one of us by his spirit. Before we go on into describing anything else, we need to appreciate what we have now on this side of the cross. There's also something that I don't want to miss here because we're just we're discussing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about is the fact that God means what he says. When he makes a promise, he keeps his promise, even if it goes hundreds or maybe thousands of years. The other thing is he is tenderhearted toward anyone who believes. So God made this promise to all of mankind, but mankind continually misinterpreted the timing on it. That's probably where we find ourselves on the fulfillment of promises in our life. This I can guarantee you, you will never look back in your life and say God did not keep his promise. You may look forward and say, I'm not sure how he will keep his promise, but just remember, God is always faithful. Now, I mentioned uh, Isaiah when I started out, and look what he prophesied after he saw the Lord in verse 6. This is Isaiah 7:14. He says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. See, we can read this and not know what Emmanuel means until we look in Matthew and see how he describes the fulfillment of this prophecy. Let's look at Matthew 1, verses 20 to 23. And I'm starting in verse 20 because I want you to notice something here. Notice it mentions the Holy Spirit. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Do you realize what a blessing this was to them? This wasn't just saying, you know, God's with us kind of somewhere. This was saying God is now among us as one of us. God with us means God is with humanity as a human. Do you think that was a mystery to them? It should be a mystery to us. It is amazing to think of God becoming part of his creation. But even before Isaiah prophesied about this, do you remember I, I mentioned that he, he was a good prophet of the Lord, and he spoke of the blessing and forgiveness that God extends toward us. See, even the prophets of God who didn't know him in that personal way inside themselves, they had learned to know his nature. Look what Isaiah says in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Isaiah 1, 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. See, God is already promising his goodness to us. And his heart is that we will eat the good of the land. But the promise in verse 19 is just like many other promises by God. It has a condition put on it. It says, if we are willing and obedient. See, God is basically saying, please do the things I say so that the good things can come to you. He, he so wants to be able to fulfill his promises to us, but he is also very, very patient with us. So do you want to experience more of him? Do you want to eat the good of the land? You can rest assured that God is your father, and he wants these things for you more than you can even desire them for yourself. See, he wants you to have the fullness of his Holy Spirit, but he says, do it my way. This is why we want to learn and understand how he has created it, how he has created the, the, the fulfillment of this. So just allow your heart, just continually be full of wonder and amazement that we can have the Spirit of God inside of us. Remember the men and women of faith who long to have the connection with God that we now have. The whole time we're talking about this, just, just keep your heart full of gratitude and, and praise to him. I think sometimes people get so hung up on trying to figure this all out that they just, they miss the joy and the mystery of it. They, they don't realize how amazing this is that we're even talking about it. So when I'm talking about eating the good of the land, let's just set that aside. Don't look on the outside to receive material things from him. Although I will say those will come too because they're part of him. I mean, they're part of what he does. But let's just set that aside and just focus on the presence of, of his presence on the inside. And remember, every time we experience his spirit, he is, making, he, he is making the fulfillment of the promise to us. This is where, do you remember uh, in Matthew 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you.